Hey listeners, we recorded this episode before the terrible tragedy happened in Uvalde, Texas that claimed 21 lives, 19 of those being children. We wanted to send our condolences to all the families and the survivors affected by this horrible act of violence. No child should ever be afraid to go to school, and no parent should ever have to fear sending their children to school. Many of you may know I have two school-aged children, so I've been turning my rage into action. If you feel the same way that we do, and you would like to help, we have listed some resources in our episode notes and on the blog. Please stay safe out there. And remember, stay weird, stay curious. Hi, Mystery Knox listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. For today's case, we're talking about a woman who was viciously murdered in Victoria, British Columbia in 2008 under very mysterious circumstances. She was only 24 years old. It's been 14 years and her murder is still unsolved. Was it a random killing or was she set up? This is the case of Lindsay Buziak. Mary, what are you drinking today? Um, iced tea. Well, I went to Starbucks, or, yeah, I went to Starbucks and I got a uh, iced peach green tea, and I added uh, strawberry puree. Mm-hmm. That's... And is it delicious? It's okay. It's right. A little tart, right? What'd you call me? <laughs> no, I said um... you're a little tart. <laughs> No, it is. It is a little bit. So I added um, some sugar to it. Um, I drink all my coffee already. I did have a um, iced mocha latte, but I drank that. So I just have water right now. Oh, that sounds good. What, an iced mocha latte? Yeah, or like peppermint mocha. Yeah. Damn it. Stuff. What, without giving anything away, of course, what did you think about this case this week? It was a lot more than, than just a simple little someone got murdered sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, why do we find these episodes or why do we find these cases that are just like, not stressful. What's the word? <laughs> Mind boggling? No, not even that. Yes. I mean, it's more than that because you go into it just like every other thing yeah. that we do, um, these, these episodes, these podcasts. And it's like, you think it's simple. Mm-hmm. But it never is. And then, like, the thing that always happens is we keep finding more stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so involved. Not really. Intricate. Intricate, I guess. That's the word. I mean, if you Intricate. look at it, on the surface, it's not anything of anything. No, but once you start researching it, yeah. digging, you know, yeah, digging well, into that's it, what I mean. that's like, when On you... the surface, it's nothing. Like, cops did... What I think was the bare minimum. Like, they could have done more, which is why we think the way we do mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. cops and, you know, this case, which we'll get to later. But it just seems like, because I always would pull up these articles and it was literally a couple paragraphs who it was, what happened, you know, the outcome, if yeah. anything. And that was it. And it was just like, no, because it's that, you know, there's more. And it mm-hmm. it just was like, there has to be, but you weren't finding anything. Mm-hmm. So you eventually find something, and it's like, holy shit. Yeah, exactly. So when I brought this episode up, because I had kind of already known about this case, mm-hmm. 
Um, and I know, Mary, you didn't know anything about it. I knew I the name. Like, I, I knew, um, like, it sounded familiar. I didn't know the name. It sounded familiar. I didn't mm-hmm. know the case. Because with the okay. name, like, Buziak, dude, how do you forget that? Yeah, that's a very so it, name, Yeah, that kind of stuck around, name. but as usual, I yeah. knew nothing about this case. Right. Right. And see, I had heard about the case, I don't know, however many years ago. And it had always, you know, driven me crazy because of of the outcome. And so I knew I definitely wanted to do an episode on it eventually. And so I'm so glad we're doing it today because it's, 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 <laughs> it's just a crazy case. I don't even know what else to say about it. And, you know, to say like, it's weird or it's crazy, it's mind boggling. It's so much more. It is. I can't even like, I don't even have the words to explain it, but it is, I will say it is a lot of information. And so just bear with us on this episode. And I do want to kind of give a big shout out to um, the Case File podcast and the website lindsaybuziakmurder.com, which is run by Jeff Buziak, who's uh, Lindsay's father. So we got a lot of our research and, um, you know, information from those two sources. So big shout out to those places. Yeah, so after listening to this and you guys want to learn more, just head over there because there's so much information. And with that being said, let's get to the story. Lindsay Elizabeth Buziak was born on November 2, 1983, to Jeff and Evelyn Buziak. Even from a young age, Lindsay was described as friendly, smart, and loved by everyone. In 2008, 24-year-old Lindsay Buziak was on top of the world. She lived in Victoria, British Columbia with her boyfriend, Jason Zio, who was a mortgage broker and also had a real estate license. Her boyfriend's mother, Shirley, also worked there as a manager. Lindsay had landed a job with Remax Camosun as a junior real estate agent just starting out. This job was definitely made for her, as Lindsay was the type of person to get along great with people and them with her. She was extremely driven and determined to carve out an amazing real estate career for herself, which was why she was initially ecstatic when she landed a client that wanted to spend a million dollars on a house. This was a huge deal for a junior real estate agent. On January 31st, Lindsay received a call on her personal cell phone from a female caller who spoke with an accent, described by Lindsay as, quote, Spanish, but not really, end quote. Lindsay also stated that she felt like the caller was faking the accent. The woman stated she needed at least a three-bedroom, three-bathroom house near the city and in moving condition, and that they needed it in three days. As stated earlier, initially Lindsay was excited about the prospect of landing this client, but she also had a nagging feeling about the caller. Something just didn't seem right. Why would they want to work with Lindsay, a junior real estate agent, instead of a more senior, advanced agent? Lindsay did ask the caller why they asked for her specifically. The caller stated she was referred to Lindsay by a previous client. This made Lindsay feel a little better about the call. Even so, she did try contacting the previous client to verify the story, but they could not be reached. As a little side note, in all of my research, I could not find the name of the callers. In most of the articles, they either just don't address it at all, or they state that Lindsay never got a name, and she only referred to the clients as, quote, million dollar, or the Mexicans. That's weird. Yeah, I just thought it was really weird that she never got their, like, any name. Like, even if it was a fake name, 
you know. And, and wouldn't you, as a realtor, ask? Yeah, that too. I thought that was weird I mean, as in well. general, you're talking to someone and they're asking you for your service. Mm-hmm. And you, in turn, should get all their information. Right. So... But also, like, how are they calling me, or why are they calling me on my personal cell phone? And that's a big thing. Like, they didn't call the office. They call for personal cell phone. And obviously, they stated they got it from a previous client. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's fishy. It's a little fishy there. Regardless of not being able to reach the client, she decided to go ahead and take the job anyway despite her odd feelings about it. She did struggle at first to find a house that matched everything her mystery clients wanted, but eventually she found a five-bedroom, four-bathroom home in the Victoria suburb of Saanich at 1702 DeSousa Place. Lindsay was all set to meet the clients on February 2nd, 2008 at the home, right at 5.30 p.m. Is that normal? I mean, I don't know if you'd know. To meet Uh a client that late in the day? Is that normal? If you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I just think it depends on the, on the realtor. Because, mm-hmm. like, when we were house hunting, we did, like, an all-day thing. But that's because we were looking at multiple houses. Yeah. Um, But they were only looking at one house. And, yeah, I mean, I suppose Lindsay could have scheduled it earlier. But for whatever reason she didn't and i don't know if that was because she had stuff to do that day or if the clients were like we can't come till 5 30 i really don't know to be honest and this happened in february so the light in terms yeah i wonder about that too like yeah, was it because, that dark or just uh before? We, we talk about that a little bit later but um basically i believe it was starting to get dark at like 5 45 6 o'clock okay yeah Okay, well, that explains some things later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was just... Yeah, because that's... I would have been like, nah, we we have to meet earlier. Yeah. Or we don't meet at all. You know, I, I would say no. And, and if she... I don't know if we talked about this yet. <laughs> but, like, if she was already having these... Um, bad feelings. Yeah, there you go. If she had yeah. these bad feelings, why would you meet that late? I don't know. See? Yeah. But keep in mind, like... Lindsay, if she got this deal, she was just this was a million money. dollar yeah. house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she did not want this to, you know, to get past her. I think she pretty much would have done anything <laughs> to, to sell this house to those clients. Oh, well, yeah. Which yeah. is basically what she did because she went up against her better judgment. You know, her, mm-hmm. her gut feeling of meeting with them. The day of the appointment, Lindsay received a call from the clients. But instead of speaking to the woman, she spoke to the woman's husband instead. He told Lindsay he'd be coming to the viewing alone, as his wife wasn't feeling well. The nagging feeling was back. Meeting an unknown male alone when you're a petite female isn't the wisest decision. And Lindsay knew this. As do we, Mary. Well, you more so than I. (laughs) Yes, but you know that too. No, yeah, in general. You don't... In general, yes. Especially if you have... As it says, you know, a nagging feeling. Yeah, you're gonna correct. Want someone there with you? Her father Jeff also reaffirmed this when he told Lindsay to make sure to bring someone with her. That's why, when she was having a late lunch with her boyfriend, she expressed her concerns to him. Jason told Lindsay that he would be there at 4:24 p.m. They finished their late lunch at a restaurant called Sauce, and they left separately. 
Jason went back to SHC, which is an auto shop, to meet with some clients, but he assured Lindsay he'd be at the showing. According to sources, Lindsay had gone home to change clothes before meeting with the client. Now, according to lindsaybuziakmurder.com, the timeline of events is as follows. Jason and his mortgage partner and hockey teammate, Cohen Oatman, left SHC at 5.30 p.m. This was recorded on a security camera, and Jason knew they were being recorded, because according to the Case File podcast, quote, Cohen gets in the passenger side of the vehicle while Jason is standing right next to him, almost as if he was escorting him. Jason then turns, looks up at the security camera, and walks around to the driver's side, end quote. So going back to the time, they're already late. Lindsay was meeting the clients at 5.30 p.m. And I'm just saying, if my significant other was concerned about meeting a stranger and asked me to be there, I would be there. So either before Jason got in the car or as he was driving, this isn't clear, he sent Lindsay a text message that said, quote, I'll come to meet you and I'll be 10 to 15 minutes or so, end quote. And then Lindsay replied, quote, okay, I'll see you in a bit. I gotta go. The Mexicans are here, end quote. So as I stated earlier, this is one of the nicknames that Lindsay used for these clients. Um, I will say that I was listening to a podcast, not Case File, but it was a different podcast about this case. But one of the um, hosts is actually a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And so he had his take on this was because the other co-host asked him, like, is this normal? Like to not get a client's name, you know, because I don't think it's normal. And he actually said that that has happened to him a few times where he did not get their names because he didn't understand what they what they said because of their accents. And so he was like, instead of basically telling them, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. Can you say your name again? He just kind of was like, okay, yeah, you like went along with it so that he could meet them and try to get the sale because for whatever reason, and this doesn't make sense to me, but for whatever reason, he thought that, or maybe some other people think this, if he kind of was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Can I, can you repeat your name? That like he would lose the sale because they would get offended or something. No, it just comes off as more professional. Like, I just want to make sure I'm getting your name correct. Not correct. Yeah. And that, that was my take. At 5.29 p.m., Lindsay accesses the lockbox at the house she's showing on D'Souza Place. At 5.30 p.m., Lindsay is seen greeting the mystery couple by the back of her car by some witnesses. There was no other car in the driveway. They then all made their way inside the house. And I'm not sure of the exact time on this, but it's while Jason was driving to the house that he calls his brother and he asks for directions. So let's talk about this for a minute. Does this seem strange to anybody else? He had just had lunch with Lindsay and told her that he would be there, but he didn't ask her how to get there if he didn't know where it was. I call bullshit. Yeah, that literally makes no sense to me. Because it's like a big, you know, it's a client that's willing to pay how much money, you know, and then all of a sudden, I mean, not really all of a sudden, but it's like you talk about it. You would talk to your... Um, not, I can't really say spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend. You talk to whoever, like, hey, how's your day at work? Oh, just so you know. You know, and they would talk about whatever it is. So for him to say he didn't know, mm-hmm. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. I agree. It's very weird because Especially I... Especially when she's <laughs> like, I'm fe- I don't feel comfortable 
Yes, exactly. And you would be like, oh, yeah, I'll go and meet you there. And then that's when they would say, here's the address. Exactly. And this is how you get there. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know, you'd be like, how do I get there so that Mm -hmm. I can be there? You know, especially because you're feeling hesitant about being there by yourself. Yeah. Like when I read that, I was like, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I call He should have already known how to get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very weird. All right, so he calls his brother Ryan to ask for directions, apparently. And then at 5.38 p.m., Jason sends a text to Lindsay, and it said, just a couple of minutes away. This message was never opened by Lindsay. At 5.41 p.m., Lindsay's Blackberry made a call. Uh, The police believe it happened during the attack or right after, and they rule it a pocket dial as the phone was found in Lindsay's pocket. Between 5.38 p.m. and 5.41 p.m. is the time that the police believe that Lindsay was murdered. Jason and Cohen arrive at the house at 5.45 p.m., but instead of parking and going in the house to check on Lindsay, Jason drove past the house. While they were driving past, they noticed movement at the door, and upon looking harder, they saw silhouettes in front of the door. The front of the door had opaque glass on it, so they could not get a clear view of how many silhouettes there were, or they couldn't really get a clear view of, like, what, you know, who the people were. So Jason parks at the end of the cul-de-sac, facing away from the house. Again, why? Like, this is so weird to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You you would park right at the house. Right. Even if I can understand why he didn't want to park at the house and like go in and interrupt the sale or whatever let's say even if i understand why he drove past and parked not in the driveway i still don't understand why he didn't face the house to at least keep an eye on things no it doesn't make sense i don't i don't get it people actually brought this up and he says i guess his his excuse was quote he didn't want to be the meddling boyfriend end quote And yet he was known to be that. Yes, he was. (laughs) And he was also known to be like a intimidating figure, right? Like when he wanted to be. Um, Yes. So this would be a perfect time. Exactly. So, but yet when your girlfriend says, you know, I'm nervous about meeting this, this person by myself. Yeah. This is the time where you decide, oh, you know, I'm already 15 minutes late. For one. And then when I get here, I'm just going to park on the street and not even go in the house and not even face the house to even see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense at all. No. Like, I don't care. I'm busting in. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, I'm here just in case. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I would totally make something up on the spot. I'm just here if you have any questions about the house. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many things he could have done. So at 5.55 p.m., after sitting there for 10 minutes, Jason drove out of D'Souza Place and he turned onto Torque Drive. We'll actually have a map of like the streets on the blog so that if you guys want to follow along with this, you can, because it can be a little confusing. So once he did this, this put him basically right across from the house, but there was a large fence in the way with trees and shrubbery. And so he really couldn't see anything from where he parked. Yeah. Exactly. Like, why would you not find a better spot? Like, it's, it's yeah, it's blocking, you, you know, just move up a little. How hard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How hard is that? Apparently it's very hard for Jason. 
Yes. In a car. Again, can't see anything. You know, foot to pedal. Come on. So, now we're at 6.05 p.m. They've been sitting in the car for another 10 minutes. Jason sends another text to Lindsay, which says, are you okay? It wasn't answered. You know, I honestly forgot that he had a buddy with him at this point. Yeah. And Cohen is in the car with him this whole time. Yeah. It makes you wonder, what the hell were they talking about? Or were they talking? And was Cohen thinking, why the hell aren't we going and checking on Lindsay? Because I would be if I was the friend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that's just uh, kind of kind of odd. Yeah, very odd. At this point, Jason and Cohen do actually get out of the car and they walk up to the front door, which was locked, which was not a good sign because during a real estate tour, the house should be unlocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he could see Lindsay's shoes through the opaque glass in the foyer, but no sign of Lindsay or the clients. There was a keypad on the garage door and Jason called his mom, Shirley, to see if she knew the code so that he could get in. She stated no, but that she'd make a call. Shirley quickly called back and told Jason she couldn't get the code. So then that is when Jason called 911. What's the significance with the shoes? If there is. There's really not. Well, some people are kind of like, oh my God, her shoes, you know, came off or whatever. But I, as far as I know, that's kind of a common thing for real estate agents to do is to take off their shoes when they enter a, a house that they're showing. But no one else took their shoes off. I don't think so. No. Well. Yeah. So. <laughs> or at least because I do know um, they can wear like little booties. I do know yes, that. And yeah. some people do do wear booties as well. But I guess Lindsay just took her shoes off. I do know when I was actually doing some real estate to- um, tours, they asked us to take our shoes off too. Yeah, that would make sense. Like I'm taking mine, you take yeah. yours. Yeah. So it is kind of weird. Because well, it's I guess... still someone else's house. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So I guess that's actually another sign that something was amiss because it was only Lindsay's shoes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the client's shoes. Okay, so Jason calls 911 after all this because he can't get in the house and all this stuff going on. Lindsay's not answering the text messages. So then after he calls 911, he gives Cohen a boost over the fence. And Cohen was able to gain access to the house through some patio doors that were already open. Cohen unlocks the front door and lets Jason in. As soon as the door was open, Jason runs upstairs while Cohen stays below. Jason found her immediately in an upstairs bedroom. We will have the layout of the house on the blog for you guys to see as well. Tragically, Lindsay had been viciously murdered. According to an article from InvestigationDiscovery.com, quote, Authorities say that Lindsay was stabbed more than 40 times and that she had no defensive wounds, which may indicate she was attacked by surprise from behind. In addition, Lindsay exhibited no signs of sexual assault and none of her personal belongings were taken, according to the cops. End quote. Lindsay also had her throat cut. Now, there is another detail about her body that isn't typically talked about in sources I've seen, but her dad has confirmed this. Lindsay's breasts were mutilated. So while Jason attempted CPR, Cohen called 911 again at 6.11 p.m. When police arrived, they found both Jason and Cohen in the upstairs bedroom and took them both to the police station separately. As far as the initial crime scene investigation, police did secure the scene and they deployed canine units, but they did not find much evidence at all. According to that same source, quote, 
Investigators said they found no fingerprints or usable DNA samples at the scene, leading to speculation that the killing was performed by an experienced professional who knew how to murder without leaving a trace behind, end quote. Cohen and Jason have both stated that they didn't hear or see anyone leaving the house. Something the police did find were three fence boards kicked out on the back fence. If you walked out on the back patio and then veered to the right, you could walk right through the gap in the fence. So this does help explain how the killers escaped without being seen. From that point, you could possibly escape in a getaway vehicle, or you could make your way into the neighbor's garage if it was opened. Um, And this would also explain why there was no other car in the driveway, as the killers could have parked behind that fence. See, I thought that was weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, why would you park if, if they had a car? Right. Because who knows? We don't know, really, their method of transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I thought that was weird anyway. And if you can, like, for the lack of there being a car, if you can afford a million-dollar home, where's your car? When police canvassed the neighborhood, they spoke to some witnesses who told them they saw Lindsay and the couple greeting each other before entering the house. One of them was able to give a description of the couple. The man was described as six feet tall with dark hair, Caucasian, well-dressed with a light to medium brown jacket, and the woman was said to be Caucasian, blonde, wearing a brightly colored patterned dress, and between 35 and 45 years old. Police thought she might have been wearing a wig. What I find odd is that the police waited until the one-year anniversary of Lindsay's death to release the sketch of the woman and the description of the couple. They apparently stated they waited so they would have more exposure for the case. That's bullshit. I'm not buying that, and I don't buy that at all. Yeah, I don't either. Because if you look at any other, like, murder case that happens, they release a sketch Mm -hmm. within how many hours to how many days. Not a freaking Mm -hmm. year. Yeah. I feel like it would have had, or it would have made way more sense to get the info out immediately to Mm -hmm. the public. And then, if nothing came of it, then they could put it out again on the one-year anniversary. Where they would get more exposure. Yeah, because, like, waiting a year? Yeah, And, like, how much are you going to remember? Exactly. Or, or, see, that's what I think that was intentional. Like, there's little things Mm -hmm. that make a... That just comes off as bigger, you know? It just looked like that, for example. Releasing it a year later. Why? Mm Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. We will have photos of the sketch and the dress on the blog. Mary, what did you think of the sketch? To me, it looks like a child drew it. Like, it's really, it's bad. It's not detailed. It's only a side view of the face. Yeah, it's a profile drawing, which, you know, with them saying, oh, this person is between 35 and 45. You got that from a profile? Right, right. It's just not a good sketch. Whoever drew it should be fired. (laughs) Because I don't think it helped the situation. At At all. all. No. No, it's really bad. So we'll have that on the blog for you guys to see, as well as the dress. So the dress, a lot of people were talking about the dress because it was a very unique dress. It's black, white, and pink, I guess, like hot pink. Um, And the pattern, it has like a wavy pattern. Like the dress literally looks like something that you would just, you're you're in a hurry and that's the first thing you grab, honestly. Right, right. Um, and if you had that sort of like million dollars, you know, obviously they didn't. But saying, you know, you have money, mm-hmm. 
why would you be wearing well no i take that back because have you seen celebrities nowadays they're wearing trash bags and shit so never mind i take that <laughs> back <laughs> another person said that it looked like something that like a newscaster would wear like i don't know about that like a weather person <laughs> i don't know well, i've seen something but similar anyway. on that on them um but I don't think it's strictly to one type of person or, or career, right. I should say. Yeah. Um, it's def It stands out, but it's also ugly at the same time. Yes, I think so, too. It stands out for a wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> to me, to me at least. To me and Mary. It's mm. not, our, not our style. Police, I believe they did try to track down the dressmaker and all that stuff because they thought it might have been like a very unique dress. But that lead actually came to nothing. It actually turned out that the dress was very was like manufactured everywhere, basically. So yeah, it kind of just was a dud. I but. thought that was kind of weird, though. Like you can you can trace an item mm-hmm. from um, where it was made and distributed and sold. Mm-hmm. Like I seen police dig up information on where a person bought like duct tape and shit. You know, so I'm like, right. This is kind of weird that they couldn't pinpoint unless they didn't have the proper resources you know or, or manpower or person Possibly. power or whatever we're trying to say here but uh, <laughs> person power because <laughs> you know if you say one over the next people get offended um You're right but you know if you don't have people personnel to look that up i can understand but also if we're trying to catch a murder i mean that kind of says a lot too that you just let something like that slip by when you could possibly trace it but they also waited a year to put out a sketch, so you know. <laughs> I don't have I don't have high hopes for this police department. No. Let's talk about the phone call. According to lindsaybuziakmurder.com, police were able to find out that the cell phone used to call Lindsay was a burner phone, meaning all you had to do to register it was type in a name and an address online, and you could literally use any name and address. Like they did not verify if it was your real name and address. The name that was used to register the phone was Paulo Rodriguez, uh, which police believed to be a fake name. And the address that was used was a legitimate address, but it belonged to a business in Vancouver. And the police believed it was just, you know, they just kind of picked a business and put the address in. Nothing, no leads on that. The phone was purchased in Vancouver in late November 2007, and then it was not activated until January of 2008, still in Vancouver. 24 hours before Lindsay's murder, the phone traveled to Victoria. Quote, Vancouver is from where the first calls to Lindsay were made, confirmed by hits on cell towers in the city. Police said at least half a dozen calls were made to Lindsay, and after her murder, the cell phone was never used again. End quote. So yeah, so to me, this definitely screams a planned hit. It was, it's very organized, and the police agree. They, they do think it was a planned hit. But the question that has not been answered is why. Why target Lindsay? Mm -hmm. As far as everyone knew, Lindsay was loved by most everyone. She did not live a high-risk lifestyle, and it just didn't make sense. Going back to Jason and Cohen. As I said, when police arrived, they were both taken to the police station separately. Jason was interviewed for hours and asked to give a DNA sample. He refused, and he still refuses to do so to this day. He did, however, go back to the crime scene a few days later and walk detectives through his movements that day. Um, I will go ahead and list this video on the blog so that you guys can watch it if you want to. But here is a little bit of the audio from the video. 
After Lindsay's death, Jason's reaction really caught a lot of people's attention. He never cried and didn't seem sad or to be showing any of the common signs of grieving at all. Jason's response was basically that everyone grieves differently and he deeply loved Lindsay. So, even though I'm not really a fan of Jason, I will say I don't think anyone ever knows how they are going to react until it actually happens to them in one of these types of situations, mm -hmm. and that people all do grieve in different ways. Though, I do get it, it is hard not to judge, because like if somebody I love tragically passed away, of course I would be an emotional wreck. Whereas you, Mary, may not show that emotion right away. Yeah, I'm not an overly emotional person. Right. So, <laughs> so thinking I about- I mean, if you didn't catch on by now, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right? Do you even know her at all? <laughs> I mean, I agree with him on that. I, I do yeah. agree. Um, so people do grieve differently. Um, some are, you know, they project it and others keep it in and mm -hmm. they process it in their own time. I mean, it's not like an on-demand thing. People will grieve as they grieve. So yeah, I agree with him. Saanich police have publicly stated Jason is not considered a suspect. There were some interesting or maybe out of character things that Lindsay did or said a few months before her death. In December of 2007, Lindsay flew to Alberta, Canada to visit her father, Jeff. She confessed to Jeff that her relationship with Jason was going downhill and she was thinking of ending things. She also said that she missed Matt, who's her ex-boyfriend, and regretted ending things with him. Lindsay's friends also confirmed this. However, according to sources, not long after this confession, Lindsay went on a trip with Jason and his family and she changed her mind about things. She apparently had decided to try to make things work with Jason. There was also something else that Lindsay told her dad on that trip. She told him that she saw something she shouldn't have seen, but she didn't elaborate. Unfortunately, Jeff would never know what Lindsay was talking about as she never told him before she was murdered. So what exactly did Lindsay see? Something else Lindsay did that was odd was she contacted or she tried to contact an old acquaintance of hers when she was in Calgary a few months before her death. According to an article from investigationdiscovery.com, quote, Two months before the murder, investigators said Lindsay reached out to a friend of an ex while traveling through Calgary. On January 22nd, that friend was arrested as a trafficker in the largest drug bust in the history of Alberta. Detectives looked into the possibility that a drug cartel might have believed Lindsay was an informant and ordered her to be executed, end quote. So question real quick. Mm-hmm. The phone that was purchased how many months before her death? Two months. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Two months. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's, that's all I'll say for now. So why was Lindsay trying to get in touch with a drug trafficker? Lindsay didn't do drugs, and she wasn't into that type of lifestyle. There is, of course, the possibility that Lindsay had no idea he was a trafficker, which I tend to lean towards. But then again, why was she trying to get in touch with him? 
they weren't friends. This is just another mystery in this baffling case. A week after Lindsay returned home from her trip, there was an incident that happened with Jason. Lindsay and her friend Nikki were at her and Jason's condo, and she was confiding in her friend that she was going to break up with Jason. Lindsay thought Jason was asleep, but he wasn't. He heard everything. Nikki and Lindsay somehow found out that he was listening, and Nikki ran out of the condo. Lindsay followed her. Jason then went on to call Lindsay more than 30 times, and she never picked up the phone. So then, what does Jason do? He calls his mom. After this incident, Jason bought Lindsay expensive gifts for Christmas, and that's also when they went on the trip that I talked about earlier. So a few things. Why was Nikki so scared that she literally ran out of the condo? It seems to me like Jason has a temper. And what was Lindsay talking about when she said that she saw something she shouldn't have seen? Does any of this have anything to do with her murder? We unfortunately don't know those answers. After the break, we'll discuss the multitude of theories surrounding this case. Stay with us. Now back to the case. This case is fucking wild. As we talked about earlier, I knew nothing about this case. Lindsay's name sounded familiar, but nothing about what happened to her or the murder itself. As we looked into it, we thought it was a simple open and shut case of the boyfriend being a controlling possessive ass, with the mentality of, if I can't have her, no one can, but it was something so much more as we researched more into her case. There's a lot of information to get through, so let's get some of the less than plausible theories out of the way. The first theory was the possibility of human trafficking gone wrong. While I could see this as a possibility, I don't see that pertaining to this case because of the other factors that have come into light, which we'll get into. One suggested Lindsay was murdered by serial killers. There was a theory that there was an unidentified couple that was going around killing realtors. However, there was no evidence to prove this theory. Out of all the ones we're going to be discussing, I doubt this one. However, just to see if this is, was an actual thing, I did a search. While realtors have been murdered, this does not warrant enough to make it executed by serial killers. By the way, I had never heard about that, that there were serial killers mm -hmm. killing people where Lindsay was murdered, or I guess close to it. It was um, not necessarily in that area. It was just in general. Like maybe, like remember oh. um, the Long Island murders? Yeah. How it started off in, in East Coast and it kind of like ventured down. Like it, there mm -hmm. was some sort of connection to... Or they wanted to connect it to the West Mesa killers here in oh, Albuquerque. Okay. It was kind of like that where, oh, maybe they ventured up there. And I honestly think with the whole serial killers for realtors, I think that was just talk. You know, oh, I don't think that was okay. a thing. But that's, it was mentioned of a possibility. Interesting. I guess. I mean, of all the people to be murdered, realtors, I mean, come on. It is kind of weird, but I mean, I can see why. Because, you know. Yeah, the when you're a realtor, houses, yeah. yeah, you're by yourself. Typically, they're by themselves, you know, showing a couples or whoever around the around the empty home. So crime of opportunity, I guess, or whatever. Another theory was that it was a mistaken identity, either by individuals or targeted by professional contract killers. Though it's explained that, quote, they were reluctant to state this theory early in the case in the fear that if the killers knew they'd kill the wrong person, someone else might be placed in danger, end quote. How dumb do you have to be to kill the wrong person? Well, it does happen. It happens. A lot? I don't know the percentage, but it does happen. Like, you'd think all this... I mean, I would think 
they would be doing their, not to say research, but, you know, stalking of an individual. They'd get the yeah. right person. You would think. And if you were a contract killer or whatever, you would have pictures of the person or, I don't know, something to recognize them. No, I agree. I, I think as a quote-unquote professional contract killer, yeah, you should know the person you're going after. But I'm just saying, if you're good at your job, you and would know this stuff. you're not going to be killing the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to be killing the wrong person. You're going to know your shit, you know? Just the way the murder was carried out, I doubt it was a case of mistaken identity. For one, the crime scene. But also, mainly because of the cell phone being purchased months in advance and then discarded after the murder. I also think that if this was done by professional contract killers, I seriously doubt they'd make a mistake killing the wrong person. This was purposely and intentionally done. It was also theorized that Lindsay's murder could have been a professional hit orchestrated by a drug cartel. The idea is that the cartel thought Lindsay was a police informant. Quote, This theory came about because of the lack of DNA and evidence at the crime scene, and because when police tracked down the phone that was used to make the appointment with Lindsay, they discovered that it was purchased months earlier and disconnected right after the murder. It was only used for calls to Lindsay. Both of these things read to investigators like the actions of professionals. Others think that Lindsay's murder was too brutal and sloppy to have been carried out by professionals. They point the finger at people who knew Lindsay at work who would have been able to organize Lindsay's presence alone in a home." End quote. That theory, being murdered by someone she knew, has to be the most plausible one. It also has a lot of points and some leading to a drug bust that she may have indirectly been involved in. Maybe at the wrong place, wrong time, or just by association. While there was nothing in her past to indicate she was involved in any sort of criminal activity, as police did extensive background checks, I can't help but think she was murdered by someone she knew, or someone that had so much hatred towards her that they hired a professional, or even someone found a way out of a situation and saw their way through her. First, we have her ex-boyfriend, Matt McDuff, whom she dated from 2001 to 2006. It has been stated that they had a connection that, quote, most people never got to experience, end quote that Matt had some sort of hold over Lindsay. Matt also had a twin brother, Malcolm, and both were considered hardworking and successful, though they did have their fair share of friends who were rumored to be involved in the drug trade, due to the fact that there were reports on this. The twins had links to people involved in those cases, but the full extent of those cases has yet to be explained, as the files are still sealed. It's stated that they had no involvement. I bring this up because it was during this time that Lindsay and Matt were involved, and during this time, there was an investigation that went on where both of their phones were tapped. That's crazy to have your phones tapped. Like, you, they must have been involved or people thought they were involved in some crazy stuff. Well, it was, what, what, what do they always say? You're one degree away from someone else involved in something else. Right, yeah, that's true. That is crazy. But they were friends with people in, like, high places, though. Matt and Lindsay were? Matt was friends with people. And she was, I mean, yeah. yeah. And because she was dating Matt, she probably knew them by association, but... Right. Um, okay. Involvement? I don't know. But it just is weird how, for the sake of this story, and how... Because it, it goes into, like, detail, detail of yeah how these people know, or how Matt knew a person, and that person knew all these other people. That were involved right. in something. So, right, and that's just how it is. And well, then, like they said in um, the Case File podcast, like mm -hmm. everybody's involved 
in uh in this case like to somebody else mm-hmm. it's just weird how everybody is connected in some way yeah and whether it be like intentional or incidental mm-hmm. association it's just weird it is very weird it's like i know a guy who knows a guy who killed a guy you know mm-hmm. it's just yeah and because of that you know this guy personally and that's how people take it right but who knows just to clarify at the time of her murder matt was over an hour away with his new girlfriend he was never considered a suspect See, I doubt he was the one that killed her, but still, to say that just because he was an hour away doesn't mean much, especially if you ordered a hit. Someone else would have done it, so of course you'd have an alibi. An hour away with your new girlfriend mm-hmm. and her family, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I agree, I don't think Matt was involved in it, but... Mm-hmm. I... Especially when they say that they had some sort of connection that mm-hmm. no one else could understand. Like... For them to Like assume. a once-in-a-lifetime love kind of thing? Yeah. So I don't think he... He did it. I mean, obviously he may have known people, but mm-hmm. to orchestrate something, I don't think so. Right. Because if they were still thinking of getting back together with each other, you know, I don't think yeah. that would be the option to go. Yeah, I agree with you. After she broke up with Matt, she enrolled in real estate agent courses, and from there she met Ryan, Jason's brother. Sources have said that Ryan took a liking to Lindsay so much that he introduced her to his mom, Shirley. But it was Jason that ended up having a relationship with Lindsay. Shirley also gave Lindsay her job at Remax. Speaking of Shirley, and according to the Case File podcast, in the early part of the investigation, Shirley told police that Lindsay had said she was afraid of her ex-boyfriend, Matt. However, she is the only one to have had this conversation with Lindsay, and there is no other evidence to support this. Lindsay's friends and family have totally different stories about Lindsay and Matt, and she was never scared of him. I honestly think this was an attempt at misdirection, which obviously didn't work. I feel the same way. It's like she's trying to point the finger off of her son and onto somebody else. Shirley's just sketch. Let me just... She... yeah, she is. We'll talk a little bit more about her later. Also, Shirley is the one who bought Jason and Lindsay their home. She also put money into having it fixed up. From reading articles from different sources, it seems that this family has a lot going on. While I haven't heard much about Ryan, Shirley and Jason have somewhat of the same temperament. Shirley was described as being controlling, demanding, having massive mood swings, and anger issues. Jason wasn't that far off as confirmed by Jeff Busiak, stating that she, Lindsay, just felt that Jason was overbearing and demanding and, you know, jealous, possessive, end quote. It was enough for someone to want out, and Lindsay did. So coming back to Shirley, because here's my thought about her. She comes off from all the research we've done about her. And let me just put this out there. Obviously, Shirley is a real person who is still alive. I don't know her, but this is just my opinion of her, okay, coming off of the research. She comes off as, like, very a vindictive person to me. Um as backed up by statements from Lindsay and Jeff and friends. And I feel like Shirley bought Jason and Lindsay their house, right? And then she put money in to fix it up. Mm -hmm. And then what we haven't really talked about yet is she also, they moved out of that house eventually, and she also bought them a condo and fixed that up as well. 
She also got Lindsay her job at Remax. So I feel like with the type of person, Lin uh, sh not Lindsay, with the type of person that Shirley is, after doing all this stuff for, for Lindsay, and then Lindsay wants to still break up with her precious baby, Jason, I feel like that could tip that crazy bitch over the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I get too. Like, she's doing all this out of the maybe not so goodness of her heart. Mm -hmm. She's doing it to maybe, you know, obviously wants to make her son happy because that's what right. parents do. Oh, um, they want to see their well, kids happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's what she was willing to do. She was willing to shell out money and, and time and effort to um, was willing to do what she can to make her son happy. And that's what, you know, she did. She got her job, got her house, got them a house. Um, a house and a condo. Yeah. And then what also sounded like was that Lindsay kind of wanted to branch off. She mm -hmm. wanted her own space. She wanted her own place. Right. Um, yeah. And maybe Mama didn't like that. She she wants to control everything. Yeah, because I don't know if... I mean, I know you said she did it to make her son happy, which that could definitely be true or part of it. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like she did it to control him and her as well meaning jason and Lindsay. oh well, yeah yeah you know like i bought that. you this house mm -hmm. yeah i bought you this condo so it's like you owe you know. me now yeah yeah exactly um because that happens and quite I often known people like that yeah so i could definitely see her being like that mm -hmm. and i don't know if she did that knowingly mm -hmm. like or she just did it because that it was a moment thing and it, it was like in her mind the right thing to do for her son right um, I mean, there's there's many theories to that. Um, yes, so but that's just my know. feeling about her. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how we feel about her. I mean, obviously, we could be totally wrong, but those are our opinions. And just to put this out there, Shirley is not a suspect, and she never once was a suspect um, in this case. Speaking of buying things, around Christmas, Jason took Lindsay on a ski trip and gifted her expensive items. After the trip, Lindsay had decided to try and make things work with Jason. Isn't that kind of like buying someone's affection or something? Pretty much, I would say. Like, he, like, like he's trying to make screwed it... screwed up. <laughs> yeah, and he's trying to make it like, everything's okay, everything's alright. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, if I fucked up, here's a present to make you forget that. Yeah, and lots of people do that. They'll be like, oh god, I messed up, and say, here, has it have something expensive that you want, or let me take you yeah. on this amazing trip. You instead know, like, of fixing the issue. Instead of ac yeah, instead of actually buy. talking about things and working things out. They'd rather buy something and, and thinking that, you yeah. know, that'll smooth things over, and, and, and it won't. It just festers and makes it worse. Exactly. And it's actually just like, you know, family members that or parents that really don't see their kids that often mm -hmm. and then they feel bad and so they just buy them shit thinking it's okay mm -hmm. that see, doesn't and work parents just saying yeah but that's what I get from it like he messed up something happened yeah yeah agree or he's like, trying to, to buy her back basically yeah like he'll change mm -hmm. case in point an expensive gift and a trip <laughs> right exactly and then I feel like speaking kind of more towards on Lindsay's side of things um, because I have felt this way sometimes too I won't name who the people are but for some reason un over my understanding like they would do something for me like buy me something or whatever it was and then 
even if I still was not okay with the situation because nothing was, nothing was fixed, I would still feel like, okay, well, you know, I owe them this because they did this for me. So mm -hmm. I guess I can't break up with them or whatever it is, you know, it's I, like, some I would sort feel like that obligation. guilt. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not Lindsay. I don't know, or I didn't know where her, like her mind is, but I could see that being her kind of justification for getting back with Jason mm -hmm. or staying with him. But apparently, like, she couldn't really do much of anything at the moment, though, right? Lindsay? Right. Yeah. So she just kind of had to wait it, wait it through, I think. And uh, I think there mm -hmm. was mention from her dad that she was trying to work out a few jobs before she kind of split. Regardless of all these red flags by Jason, police didn't consider him a suspect. Quote, based on forensic evidence, timeline of communications, witness testimony, video surveillance, we know he's not the killer, said Sergeant Horsley. Was he perhaps somehow involved in the planning? Well, he successfully passed a polygraph and he successfully took part in all these interviews with us. So at this point in time, he's not considered a suspect. End quote. But what have we learned, if anything, about polygraphs? They can't be trusted. And from listening to how Lindsay's murder played out, I can't help but think Jason had his hand in the murder in some way. Like, asking his brother for directions when he could have asked Lindsay. They just had lunch together. Getting there late, knowing Lindsay wasn't comfortable with the situation. And that his car was parked further away than facing away from the house, and then had an obstructive view? It kind of doesn't make sense. I know what you're thinking. There has to be something more, something other than boyfriend trouble, because when you look into this case, you can't help but get that feeling, that we missed a pivotal detail. And what can't be ignored is the connection to a drugs bust that happened in January 2008, which Jeff Buziak connects to Lindsay's murder. Quote, Police do have some strong theories, though. One of them tied to a trip Lindsay Buziak made to Calgary just six weeks before her murder. This was in December, and the murder was in February, said Sergeant Horsley. Apparently, while Lindsay was in Calgary, she reached out to an old acquaintance from Victoria, once by phone and another through Facebook. We don't know the nature of the call. We don't know why she called him. We don't know she was on his Facebook site, said Sergeant Horsley. What they do know is that the person she contacted was the family member of a man named Erickson Del Alcazar, and that shortly after Lindsay went back to Victoria, Del Alcazar, along with 13 other people, was caught in the biggest drug bust in the history of the province. What we can say is that people lost a lot of money, and the people that lost the drugs know that someone spoke to the police, said Horsley. A witch hunt occurred where people were being questioned. People were being pulled out of their beds in the middle of the night and asked, Who have you spoken to? Because they know someone spoke to the police. End quote. Though the investigation into this happened long before the drugs bust, so it couldn't have been Lindsay, could it? When Lindsay was visiting her father, not only did she mention that things weren't working out and was thinking of ending her relationship with Jason, but that she, quote, saw something that she shouldn't have, end quote, but didn't elaborate any more on this. I feel like that's a huge part of this case that's missing, because if she would have just said what she had seen, told her father, then we could possibly know why she was murdered, or she might have not even been, you know, been murdered. I mean, we don't know that for sure. Well, that but... could have went a couple different ways. Like, if he would have known, because mm -hmm. maybe she was protecting him. Like, she didn't maybe. say anything because it would go back to him. Even though if they went to the cops about it, he would still be roped into it. And there's always the whole thing of no witnesses. Yeah, that's true. So do you think what she was, what she saw was like a drug deal? I honestly don't know. 
mm-hmm. because it seems like there's two different things going on here. But then there isn't, though, is there? It's just... <laughs> right. It's just... It's hard to say because there's a lot, you know? And it's you want mm-hmm. it to be something simple, like it's this person. But then there's mm-hmm. other people thrown into the mix that you don't really know until later. Right. But on the surface... No, but I get what you're saying. It's everything is connected in this case. If you haven't figured it out by now, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about it, obviously, but, you know, Jason and his mom and Shirley's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend is even connected to the house that Lindsay was showing. It just, it, it goes and it goes and it goes and it's so crazy. And then who's to say that Lindsay wasn't mixed up in that? Right. Because, like, even though you say you know a person, do you really? You don't. Yeah, I think a lot of times you you really don't truly know people. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of bugs me, too, is when people say, I mean, you know, like when someone has passed and they say, oh, they would have wanted this. Would they? Would they really? Is it written down somewhere? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Unless it's in the will. Yeah, exactly. Was there, was there notations, you know? Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, though. It's, you don't really know. Right. You don't really know a person. Um, obviously, I'm not saying that she was anything but what people think of her, but it's just, mm-hmm. I, in general, do right. we really know a person? Especially when it started off as something like that she got murdered, and it turns into this big old thing, because you know there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. You don't just pick a person at random well people do but for for the sake of this case i'm just saying nothing was at random no not at all from the phone mm-hmm. to the couple to the freaking house that she went to they they made it so specific so that she pretty much had to only pick that house from from what they were looking for mm-hmm. you know what i mean so yeah. uh, i don't know but anyway talking more about the drug the drug bust Here's what we know. In December, she went and visited her father in Calgary. Two months later, she was murdered. In between all this, there was a huge drug bust of 80 kilos of cocaine, which at the time equaled about $8 million, and 14 people were charged. If you would like to learn more about the drug bust, because there's a lot of information to digest, you can go to lindsaybuziakmurder.com or listen to the Case File podcast titled Lindsay Buziak, where they go in depth. On August 2017, there was an anonymous posting that read, I killed Lindsay and stupid cops will never prove it, so you all got nothing. No one gives a shit anymore, anyhow, except her crybaby dad. Even her fakey girlfriends have washed it away. Typical loser chicks. Saanich cops dropped it because they can't solve shit, and were told to drop it. Cut the phony investigation. It's done. Go home, losers. Forget about her. The streets always rules. Bitches die every day. End quote. Lindsay's dad felt a glimmer of hope upon receiving this taunting message. He said, This is the first time we've had somebody step up and claim they're responsible for the murder. I've asked for that from the beginning and that the coward should step forward. And maybe this coward has decided to take responsibility for it. So hopefully Saanich police figure that out. End quote. So there is additional information about the cops, right? Something that isn't really known? Yeah. So, as if this case couldn't get any weirder, the day before Lindsay's murder, 
seven experienced senior police officers, three of them being detectives, retired from the Sandwich Police Department. The next day, obviously, Lindsay was murdered. One also kind of interesting thing is one of the officers asked to come back and help with the case, but he was denied. They basically were like, nope, we got it. And 14 years later, we're still waiting on answers. See, I think they're in on it. Sketch. It's really hard to say that they're not just because of, well, everything we've talked about. Yeah. The investigation. Um, yeah. Waiting a year to release that the profiles. Mm-hmm. The sketch and, yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe that when I, when I read that and then looked into it as well. I was like, what? I couldn't either. I have not heard of one other police department that has done that waited a whole year to release a sketch of possible suspects and then it doesn't make sense more information yeah it makes no sense at all it's like you want her found well not not her found but you want her um killers found Mm -hmm. and you're waiting a year to it it doesn't make sense i mean you can go so many places in a year a whole freaking year. They could be on the other freaking side of the world by then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that just the whole investigation just blows my mind. Yeah, same. I mean, the cops have so much flack against them. Mm-hmm. And this is just a continuance of just how much they're slacking on the job. And the thing about them quitting the day before the murder, it's definitely weird and suspicious to me. Could it be a coincidence? Yes, it could. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it seems like too much of a coincidence for me. But I've never heard of so many people retiring on the same day. I haven't either. That's a lot of people. Is that a thing? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's normal. I would say no. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. like retirement, no. Graduations, obviously. Right. Maybe one of our listeners knows if it's normal. You know, if one of you knows if this is normal behavior or not, let us know in the comments um, or on the blog, whichever. Because I would really like to know if this is just normal things that happen in the police department. And you can't like, say, oh, it's Canada. No, come on. Right. <laughs> I know they do like things Canada. differently, but come on. And then why wouldn't you want more help with the case mm-hmm. where you're already struggling to get information? Unless why you were would you paid turn... off. See? Well, that's what the that's what the message says. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, what do you think about that message? Do you think it's actually true or do you think somebody was just, you know, being a, what do you call I it? I think someone just hopped a on troll. that train. Yeah. I, I don't think that's an actual thing. You don't, okay. Um, mainly because the end part here where it says, go home losers. Yeah. Um, the streets always rules, bitches die every day. That kind of seems a little bit too high school. Um, I was just going to say that. I was going to say, it sounds like somebody in high school wrote the message. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like it would be some sort of drug cartel mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I, I don't think they would waste their time in leaving a message because I think them killing Lindsay was the message. I think they did it and moved on. They don't, they're not going to sit around on a computer, go to some message board. No. Right. So you think your theory is that she was killed by, because of the drugs? I don't know. Possibly. Like the wrong place, wrong time. 
mm-hmm. um, or like just you know she knew Matt and he knew people and mm-hmm. she was there I mean there's so many factors yeah I don't think it was a mistake no I, I don't think, think it was a mistake it was either. intentional I, I mm-hmm. think it was on purpose and it was for reason right I definitely agree it was intentional I agree that she was definitely the target and she was set up to be there at that specific time. Mm-hmm. And those people were set up to be there. Especially um, when buying the phone mm-hmm. um, and then activating it and then deactivating it. It was yeah. too on point. Right. And the whole, you know, we need it in three days mm-hmm. thing that we talked about in the story earlier. Um so yeah, I definitely believe all that was set up. I do agree with the police about that. That was all set up to to murder Lindsay. The question is why? Like, why would someone want to murder Lindsay? And that's where, obviously, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Could have been something because of Jason. Could have been uh, Shirley could have been involved. It could have just been like, like you said, Lindsay was a message to from the drug cartel um i don't know if i had to pick one i really do think jason was involved somehow i really do think he obviously didn't kill her obviously he was in the car and he had his buddy there as a witness too but see Mm -hmm. his buddy never said anything no and i don't think he's talked at all yeah and then the whole not giving a dna sample yeah. Um, that makes me just believe he did something else and you know they, maybe they got that in the system and to submit your DNA may bring up other stuff it could be but I my gut tells me he was involved just from from everything that we've talked about him and his mom <laughs> is, his mom is I think could definitely be involved too Um, Well, she was like, I mean, I was reading several different things, but I can't really confirm it because it was like one article said something, but nothing else had made a sort of confirmation or speculation about it. So I didn't include mm -hmm. it because I'm not sure. Um, But it's just the things they do. Mm -hmm. And it just comes off as sketch. Like, obviously, I'm not pointing a finger at anyone. Um, and neither are you, but Mm-mm. it's These just, are just our opinions. Yeah. It's just like their actions though. Yeah. Yeah. And did we even talk about, um, speaking of Shirley, did we mention that the house that Lindsay was showing was Shirley's ex-boyfriend's house? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, throw that in there too, which is just another weird thing because, because the whole keypad um, thing, right? Yeah, because of the keypad on the garage. Mm-hmm. When, Jason, when Jason called and asked for the code. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, oh, I don't know. Let me make a call. Which is weird because she knew the dude. Exactly. Who owned the house. So wouldn't you think she would call him and get the code? Mm-hmm. It's just little things like that. Like, just stuff doesn't add up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So that's where I am on it. I think Jason had something to do with it whether he planned it or just knew about it or whatever but again we like, also don't know their relationship exactly either mm-hmm. like we it's sure. all you know 
what the friends and what the dad says. Mm-hmm. And I think there but was see, something more. Yeah, there's people that definitely disagree with me. Like, even I think her dad, Jeff, doesn't think Jason was involved. I think he thinks it was cartel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he thinks it was um, to do with the drugs. Yeah. So. But it was kind of... Um, I don't know. Weird when she was visiting her dad and she made those those calls, those messages. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was kind of weird, and that what that's what makes me believe. Um, the whole when they say, "Oh, I know Lindsay." Do you though? Mm-hmm. That little bit of information of her getting in touch with a friend um, that she hasn't spoken to in a while, and right. who has connections to drugs, you know, that kind of says something else. But it like spirals into two or more directions but we only have right. like really two which is Jason his mom or Matt and the whole drug thing right but yeah. it's it's hard to say cuz there's really i mean while there's a lot of information there isn't yeah exactly and this case is still open so obviously it's not solved um so i'm sure there has to be stuff that no one knows yet that isn't out to the public well, I mean, if they waited a year to release a sketch. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Then you would think there would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this case? Is, yeah, this case was, was def- one that definitely needed an extension because we did. Um, yeah. yeah, we did, for sure. Because like I said, it, it's, it, you would go into this thinking, oh, it's someone just murdered a, a realtor. Um, mm-hmm. But once you read a little bit more, it's like, oh, shit, there's other stuff involved. Yeah. And it's then, crazy. Like, I, I literally, when I was doing this research, I couldn't focus on it because there was so much going on. And anytime someone would interrupt, I'd have to go back to the beginning. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, can you guys not? Yeah, I was the same um, way. It's, it's very overwhelming. It was very overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I know there's stuff we didn't include because, you know, we couldn't. It was so much. And yeah. then um, that's why we also had to direct you guys to another podcast because they actually did a better sort of detailed investigation or what is it? <laughs> Not investigation. They went more and they definitely went more in depth yeah. about all the drug cartel, all that stuff, all the people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do recommend listening to that if you want to know more about that part of the case mm-hmm. highly um, and also yeah highly recommended um and then also jeff's website um com has <laughs> so much information on and it and it's constantly updated it's it's not yeah a website that's there and abandoned it's he's always on it and mm-hmm. um i think he's active in social media and all that as well so yeah he is for sure mm-hmm. quote in 2021 Saanich Police, the RCMP, and the FBI launched a new task force to investigate the case, which they said would make use of new DNA and genealogical technology. Every year on February 2nd, Jeff Buziak does the annual Walk for Justice to keep Lindsay's case alive and make a statement. Lindsay's father, Jeff, stated, This was a young woman, 24 years old, 5 foot 3 and 99 pounds. She was attacked and viciously executed by a knife and left to bleed out on the floor of the home she was showing as a realtor. I will do this walk if I have to, as many years as it takes and as long as I am able to do it. I will be here each and every year reminding the authorities that they needed to do their job. 
end quote. I do believe this case can be solved, but someone needs to talk. Someone needs to come forward. I'll leave you with a statement from Jeff Buziak, which he wrote on May 8, 2022. Quote, As you all know, my wonderful daughter Lindsay was savagely murdered while working as a REMAX realtor in Victoria, B.C., February 2, 2008. There have been no arrests and no suspects named to this date, making everyone a suspect until there are arrests. No one is cleared, not even me. I have devoted these last 14 years to making sure justice is served and the community of Greater Victoria is a safer place for women, especially, and people in general, because there are murderers roaming free. Unfortunately, Saanich police assign various Tweedledee and Tweedledum-dums to sometimes have a look with no results, as we all know. Honestly, if it wasn't for all the wonderful support of people, Lindsay's murder would have been swept under the carpet a long, long time ago. We have had three mayors of Saanich, five police chiefs of Saanich, three or four governments of British Columbia, and probably six heads of Lindsay's file, and nothing in 14 agonizing years. Nothing. They have all failed at their duty. Statistically, well over 40% of people in my situation never recover from losing a loved one to homicide or murder. These people go on permanent disability, they suffer severe depression, turn to drugs and alcohol dependency, both legal and illegal. Some commit suicide. I've seen them. I've met them. I cry for and with them. I fight for them. Jeff Buziak. There is currently a $500,000 reward in this case. If you have any information on the murder of Lindsay, please contact the Saanich Police at 250-475-4313 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. All right, Mystery Knox listeners, that's it for our case today. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we'd love to hear your ideas and or theories on this case, so let us know on our Instagram and Facebook at Mystery Knox Podcast, on Twitter at Mystery Knox Pod, or send us a voice message on anchor.fm slash Mystery Knox Podcast. A list of our sources and the pictures from this case can be found on our blog at mysteryknoxpodcast.wordpress.com. Your support is always appreciated, so if you enjoyed what you've heard, please let us know by giving us a review on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll see you on our next episode, and remember, stay weird, stay curious. I was running out of air, okay? <laughs> See, now you know how it feels. <laughs> I already know how it feels. Mm-hmm. Make fun of me like you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Squeegee McGee. Why don't you try pushing a baby out of your vagina and then you see how much breath you have. <laughs> that will not be happening, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, shit.